Tēnā koutou katoa. Uh, great to have you with us. Everyone's a bit quiet this evening. Yeah, a bit too hot today out in the sun. Too much sun, too much being at the beach. Anyone go to the beach today? A few, a few people. That's good to see. I'm glad you came along tonight. It's great to have you with us. Um, uh, it's great to have Pastor Craig back with us last week as well. Um, he's been away for about 10 weeks or so, eight weeks. Um, and it was great to have him sharing in our series Encounter. This is a second to last one. Uh, next week we have a guest preacher with us, uh, someone who's familiar to most of you, Colin uh, from Out of Golden Sands. He's been coming to do the last one with us. So uh, he's been uh, going through a series in his own church um, in Revelation. And so he's coming to bring the last in this series from the book of Revelation. Get excited. Revelation next week. And everyone's quiet. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Everyone's a bit tired. That's it's just it's just one of those things. It's a Sunday night. Uh, who came Who came to the volunteers night? Yeah, a few of you. Yep, it was a good time. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, it's just an appreciation evening for uh, those that volunteer here. Some of us got dressed up. Some of us made fools of ourselves. Some of us sang Elvis songs dressed as Elvis. Uh, that was not me. That was Pastor Craig. He did a good job. So we should have got that photo again for you. Some of you. Um, okay, so. As you may have picked up on the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been looking at this continual sort of growth of the angelic encounters that center around not only Jesus' birth, and we're going to spend a lot of time reflecting on that over this Christmas period, but also on his death, where he, where he goes to the grave. And tonight, we're picking up on a story from uh, Matthew 28, uh, which, which focuses on this. And it isn't a mistake that the spiritual realm and the presence of, of God's angelic messengers increases around these times. This is a very special time in the life uh, of the people of that time, but it's also a special time in faith history where Jesus is going to rise again. Get excited about it. Uh, not just that he came and he was born and that we all, this cute, squidgy little baby that came uh, once upon a time, but that this is the very Jesus Christ who was resurrected and is the basis of our faith today. We would not be here in this room today had Jesus not risen. Amen. And so tonight we're going to be looking at a story to do that. Over the series, one of our goals has been to expose you not only to um, the angelic encounters through Scripture, but also to kind of demystify a little bit their role. Because we always um, get these kind of fabled images of a angels and, and what they do, and, and, and people make up these things and pictures of them. Um, I want Colin to bring the picture of the one he's got for Revelation. Ben upstairs, our graphic designer, did a pretty cool picture of that. But it's one of those things where we've got in our mind something about what angels are and what angels do. And uh, it's been good just taking the time in the series to see uh, what they are and what they do among us. Um, what you may have picked up, um, like Jesus' ministry, angelic messengers, their appearance haven't always been uh, to those in the society that we would think that they should come to, right? So last week, um, Craig talked about the shepherds being the ones that uh, received revelation from, from an angel in the field in the middle of nowhere. And there's, there's a purpose to that. We look through the scriptural narrative and we see shepherds in the line of David, in the line of Jesus. It makes sense to me. that. But we've got this knowledge um, looking back across uh, the biblical history of that. 
uh, and, and Craig led us in that last week. And tonight we wrestle with another group of marginalised witnesses within that culture, within that time, and that is the more beautiful gender among us, the females. Okay, this is Jesus coming and sharing this word through an angel. So let's pray as we go to open this word this evening. Uh, Lord, we, we come to your word humbly. Uh, Lord, we believe that within your word, uh, it contains words of life, words of truth, words of transformation. And Lord, I pray that if anything uh, within this message today uh, is not of you, that those things would fall away and only those things uh, by your spirit would come and settle in our hearts and in our minds as we reflect on this word this evening. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Matthew 28. You can follow along on the screen if you'd like it or in your device that's in your hands, as long as you're not playing games. All right. Verse 1. We're going to just do 10 verses tonight uh, from Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, that's a nice way of referring to someone, and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. I'll just pause. Someone preached about Mary Magdalene not too long ago. And this other Mary that they're talking about here is, I think, looking at some of the commentators, the mother of Joseph and James, the sons of thunder, the ones that walked alongside Jesus as well. So these two Marys are the ones that are being talked about. Funnily enough, the word for woman in the pidgin language is Mary. So it's a bit strange to talk about Marys when you're in Papua New Guinea because they just think he's talking about woman. But it's actually a name. <clears throat> anyway, moving along. Uh, verse 2. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Just picture that in your mind for a second, okay? I can hear the song. Um, you know, the, the sunbeam coming down, rolling back the stone, and then just sitting on it. Okay? It's a strange thing. We, we just kind of brush over that. Oh, yeah, that happens in Scripture. But that's weird, right? Oh, no, it's not. Well, come on. Is it weird? No. Okay, move on. <coughs> it's not weird. Everyone sees angels in this place, except me. I think it's an absolute boss move by the, uh, by the angel. But anyway, his appearance was like lightning, if that doesn't scare you, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Wow. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Now, pause there for a second. How many other times have we looked at these angels in different parts of the scripture and they've said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't come down in bolts of lightning and we won't be maybe. Uh, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will find him. Uh, there you will see him. Uh, and now I have told you. All right, have I? I need to move along so you can keep up with me. There it is. And so the woman hurried away for, uh, from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. 
That's a roller coaster road right there. Afraid yet full of joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. And suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and they clasped his feet and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. We were talking at a staff meeting um, a couple of weeks ago about where we were when the terrorist attacks 9-11 happened. Um, I was talking to someone out in the cafe, Mana. Where's Mana? Really? He was six days old when that happened. My man, six days old. Okay, just give you a bit of perspective of how long ago that was. I was sitting in uh, my pastor's lounge. I'd, I'd just come in. He's like, come upstairs. Um, the first tower had been, had been hit. And as I sat down and we were talking and we were thinking about what is the implications of this? You know, we're just sitting there stunned. It's one of those things you just can't quite comprehend. Is this actually happening? You know, um, uh, just as we were sitting there, we saw the second, the second plane hit. And there was just that moment where we both sort of held our breath and looked at the screen and thought, whoa, what did we just see? You see, life was never going to be the same again after that moment. It was just that, that moment of shock and awe. What is going on? It was a profound moment neither of us could quite understand. Um, and we, we just sat there. And there's that feeling that you get that what you've just seen you can't unsee. Yeah? How many of you had that feeling? Something you've just seen and it's like, man, that's never going out of my mind. And as we all know, that continued to be something that reverberates um, in, in our life at the moment. I, I think, isn't it interesting that we can, we can all remember these kind of events with such crystal clarity? Yeah? There's other events in your life which you could probably point to. There are moments where we were shocked or we were, we were in the depths of despair or something magical happened like a baby being born. Yeah, any dads in the house? Yeah, mums remember it quite well for other reasons. Dads remember it for better reasons than <laughs> mums. Well, here's, an, here's a more positive one. Um, I remember when I had to go trembling uh, to my father-in-law to ask if I could marry my wife, his daughter. And uh, I was filled with fear. Um, fear that he didn't think that this cheeky Maori fella could, um, was the right guy for, her, for his daughter. Uh, joy, though, as he encouraged me, that he'd been praying for his daughter's husbands since they were born. Something I'll never forget. These kind of moments are the moments that we need to apply to these kind of moments in Scripture. These things that, that come to us um, and, and come with crystal clarity. These women, these amazing women, would have had something akin to these feelings all at once. How do we think an angelic visitation might have an effect on our life? Um, not just any visitation, but, but one that hailed the return of the risen Jesus. Do you think it would have echoed throughout your life? I think it would have. 
And for these women, it would have echoed in their life. They would have had memories going right back to the start of Jesus' memory. Why? Ministry. Because they've been walking with him. They've been walking with him from the start. It's no mistake that these two remarkable women were chosen as the ones that Jesus spoke to. The one foretold and who walked among us performed miracles and promised an eternal future. This was the same Jesus that possibly just weeks before, Mary Magdalene was washing his feet with her tears and was wiping his feet with her hair. Monica talked about that a few, few weeks back. And here she is again, lying at those feet, touching those same feet that she washed with her tears. She knew something about who Jesus was that no one else did. There is this spectacularly powerful connection in the story that we might miss upon first reading. It's more, more than likely that these two women were also at the foot of the cross as Jesus was being crucified. They'd seen those feet nailed together on the cross. In fact, the other Mary was more than likely the Mary who sat at Jesus' feet whilst Martha ran to and fro in the house. These two women understood what it meant to sit at the feet of Jesus in pure devotion. And today, Jesus was revealing himself to them, the first people to see him risen, to see him resurrected, were women. Were women. They carried that original message out to the disciples. It wasn't one of the disciples that got that first visit. It wasn't Paul. It wasn't John. It wasn't Peter, who we've been talking about for weeks. It was these two remarkable women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. They understand what it means to stand with them. They defied the social and cultural systems of their time. They, in, this, in this moment, there was this radical, active obedience. They, they, they ran to him. Women in that society, in that time, were even lower than probably the shepherds in terms of what they were allowed to do and what they were allowed to say in, in that time. They were, cre uh, they were treated as, 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 as almost belongings within that society. And it's no mistake that Jesus comes to those uh, in society that we deem lower and less needed. And Jesus turns the world on its head, as we know, and we looked at in the Sermon on the Mount series. He comes to those who we think he shouldn't, and he does an amazing thing. These were two women who were radically obedient to God. How many of you here have heard of the word unction? I know John, a few others, yep. The word unction. It's a divinely inspired, spiritually empowered action. Many great preacher and minister talk of this 
compulsion to act from within. There was just this feeling that I couldn't get rid of and I had to act. I believe these remarkable women were working under the unction of God. You see, when the unction of God rises in an individual, we get the kind of people in our society like Martin Luther King Jr., the the William Wilberforces, and and maybe even the Billy Grahams. But we also get the Corrie Tim Booms. We also get the Mother Teresa's. Let me bring it even closer to home here at BBC. We get ministries like Tallulah, where two remarkable women have a great um, ministry of selling recycled clothes and creating money that puts youth workers into schools and, and allows youth work to happen. We get Kai Manga, which feeds the poor and the needy in our community. We try to make it something that only happens in a kind of mystical sense out there, beyond us, in the, in the big world, you know, in the, in the kind of Billy Graham kind of realms. But the problem is that's not right because the unction of God can happen right here in this room to you here and now, can't it? We believe that? Do we believe that God can motivate us and, and draw us out even right now? He can. The power of God's spirit is here and the unction of God may be rising within you right now. He may be putting something right in your heart or on your mind right now that he wants you to work on for his glory, for his purposes. But we kind of push them back. We push them away and say, oh, I don't know. So I wonder if you're sitting at the feet of Jesus as Mary did in Martha's house, or as Mary did on that long journey where she fell flat at Jesus' feet. I wonder if you're the kind of person that would sit at Jesus' feet as those two women would have. You see, I think people who do find themselves in that position, who put themselves in that position, strangely enough, the unction of God seems to come about a little bit more. Is that true? This is what I pick up from this. These women who were the first witnesses, not just because of their standing in society, although that's a huge part of it, but because they had been at the feet of Jesus since the inception of his ministry. And tonight, I want you to hear that you and I are first witnessed to by these women through their devotion. We're witnessed to through this scripture because we see in them something that maybe not be in us. Maybe the devotion that we would love to see in ourselves, but don't see yet. They rose to the occasion, not just because an angel showed up and shook the earth, but because their hearts and their lives were already focused on the king and his glory. There's a, there's a, script, uh, there's a great little um, Spurgeon quote. He says, Only that which is done under the imperious necessity of divine impulse, four words, I make it one, unction, will ever be followed by any great result. Only the things that we are compelled to, 
that we're driven to by God will only have that, that, that great result we think it needs to have. And so I ask you tonight, where in your lives, where in our lives are we feeling the unction of the Spirit? See, some of us have, uh, have been clearly hearing God speaking to us. We've probably got something sitting on our heart even in this moment, but we've kind of got a bit Christianese on it. And we say, oh, I just need to check with five or six people to just to check if the revelation of God is right. Well, that prophetic word that came to me and stirred my spirit so that I actually wanted to do something, but actually I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put a fleece out. How many of you have heard those sort of cheeky, you ain't Gideon? Okay. You don't need to put no fleece out, okay? There is there is a wisdom in in walking alongside people and asking questions and 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 yeah, but you delay it too long, it disappears, right? There's something that God puts on your heart. You need to chase after it and you need to step out. Spurgeon goes on to say, he says, if you do not believe that you have a right to go, your going will be with an inward weakness and you'll be taken up rather with yourself than with your message and with the heart of him whom you carry it. It's so easy to all of a sudden become insular. This is about me rather than about what God wants to do through me. I think Mary and Mary are encouraging us tonight to let that message create that imperious necessity of divine impulse for your faith journey. Okay, so there's a message that's given. Let's move on. What is the message that's given to them? It's a very similar message to so many that we've heard throughout the series. But it's a message that we can't ignore. There's always this refrain, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. I am from God. That's the messenger's purpose. They, they, they claim to be who they are. They need to lay that out because the dark uh, forces uh, are at work, and they're not going to tell you. They're going to try and lead you elsewhere. But do not be afraid. Literally, every angel appearance begins with this. Don't stress. I'm just an angel. Well, maybe not drop an earthquake or descend from heaven like you all do, and it'll be all right. But even the guards at that moment were feeling like dead men because they didn't know God. They didn't understand that this was a revelation of God coming through an angel. The do not be afraid message is a reassurance of God's peace and presence that the soldiers would never have had and never have known. And so we talk about them as being dead. It's an attention grabber, but it's also an instant uh, locator of who is where and What's going on? Okay, so when every uh, one of these appearances comes, they say, "Do not be afraid. Peace be with you." Then they say to these ladies, "He is not here." I wonder why you would say that to them. These are the same women that followed Jesus. You see, they would have known and committed to heart, just like the other disciples, all of the law, 
right up into that point, they probably would have had right up to the book of Malachi. They understand the stories and, and the prophecies in Isaiah. They would have probably memorized, just like most of those men, the Torah and the law and, and these promises, these echoes that would have come through Scripture. They would have known those things. So why would they say he is not here? You see, these faithful female disciples have walked with Jesus and they know what these four words mean. Everything we have seen through his ministry and heard through the law and the prophets' writings, he has done it. He has beaten death. He will beat death. There was this instantaneous realization, much like the picture earlier. Something was never going to be the same again. A couple of weeks ago, I had a bit of a heart issue and, and I was walking through the office and Joe Goodson, who works on staff, she's in the phase um, team. She was a doctor and she just grabbed my arm and she just, I don't even know where to find my pulse. Anyway, she, she just grabbed my arm, literally two seconds. Hmm, your heart's not beating right. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, it was that moment of realization just like that for her. Why? Because, well, she's actually a qualified doctor, sure. But also because as a doctor, she's had years and years of sitting with patients, physically examining people who have these signs. You see, the two Marys understood the signs and that moment and those words that the angels uttered would have been like that. They knew within seconds because they sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to him talk about himself, about the past, about the scriptures that they held so tightly to, and they understood this is the Messiah. This is the one that will die and rise again. They knew he was not there. They knew he was not there. The two Marys understood the signs and of that moment that that angel had uttered. Because for the past few years with Jesus and many before, they had been shaped and molded by the scriptures. By prayer, through active obedience, they heard that he would rise. And it's just astonishing in that moment to realize it's actually happening. You get that surprise. I was in Aussie about 10 years ago for my brother's birthday, and we're walking along the Gold Coast. I don't know where it was. And we just heard this commotion in the shop. And I just, someone was robbing the shop. And I just looked, and this fellow just, ripped this cash register off, and then he was just gunning it across. And you know, in that moment, how many of you have been in a situation, something like that, where you're just like, I know what's going on, but I'm frozen in time, can't believe what's going on? That's, for me, exactly what this astonishing moment was like for them, I suspect. They're sitting there, and they're going, he's not here, he's not here. I understand why he's not here, but I can't quite believe it. I need to see him. I need to see him. And so what does the angel say? Come and see. Like point two, we build on this message that this is no longer just a theoretical longing for these women. It's a lived reality. And later, as, as Jesus appears to his disciples, um, it's, it's Thomas who Jesus says, come and see. Hey. When they head off and they get to the disciples, Jesus is there with them and he's saying, Thomas, come see. Come see. It's me. But you died. 
We saw you die. We saw you get put in that tomb. Come and see. It's that moment of connection between what we know and what is reality that needs to click for us. He's not here, but take a look anyway. It seems almost ironic that the angel would say that to these women. They would have been the ones that embalmed his body. They would have been the ones that were there and helped wrap him and... They would have been sitting there outside, and it says it in, verse, uh, in chapter 27. They were sitting outside as they placed his body, and they rolled that stone across. These two women were there. But in that moment when the theory and the reality need to come together, there's just this dramatic pause. They knew the body was laid there. They saw the stone rolled across the entrance. They were there last at Golgotha. And the first at his tomb, they know they are getting the blessing of being the first to truly see him. And so what does he say? He commissions them. Almost every single one of our angelic encounters sends them off to do something. There is a practical outworking, a commissioning to go quickly and tell. And because of the culture, uh, these women would never have been the Pauls or the Johns of the world. So... For them to run off and to be the ones that go and tell the disciples, because of their deep devotion, because of their knowledge of walking alongside him, because they realized, hey, we get to be the first to proclaim Jesus is risen. The pennies dropped. Go and tell them. They get the task of telling the disciples that Jesus is here. He has arrived. The two Marys don't turn to each other and question whether or not they have the authority to speak. They they hightail it to the disciples. And I'm sure Jesus is standing there waiting for them, laughing. They didn't hesitate. They were empowered by an angel. They, They boldly faced their cultural conventions and their community ethics, and they obeyed, and they ran anyway. Oh, how I pray for more Marys among us, who have the devotion and the obedience to step into leadership, into the prophetic revelation, and into the courage and the boldness to speak about the risen Jesus. I'll close by inviting the band to come. Tonight I want to issue a challenge to just the woman in the room. Men are like, what about us? I want to issue a challenge just to the woman in the room because we still live in a culture that marginalizes women. It says, you know what, God is not speaking through you and you're not qualified to lead and this sort of thing. Rubbish. Rubbish. I want to I speak to that right now and say, God is just as much at work in you as he is in me, as he is in any of the pastors in this church. I want to challenge you tonight that you can proclaim the risen Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. 
And I want to encourage you tonight to just make a stand. As, as these guys lead us in this final song, I'll come and pray um, at the end. But I just want you to take that moment and say, you know what, Lord? I want to sit at your feet. I want to hear from you. And I want to be commissioned to go quickly and share about the resurrection that brings life, eternal life. Tonight, would you stand? Get them to lead us, and I want to pray for you, ladies. The resurrection is one of the most important elements in the Christian faith. If you don't understand it, if you haven't walked a journey and, and learned more about it, I want you to come and chat to Mon, get a part of a home group. I want you to put a Bible in your hand. I want to lead you and help you to understand that that resurrection changes everything. It gives eternal life. It's this promise that was given to us for centuries. And it means that you too, you too can run and tell people about Jesus. Father, we just thank you tonight that you are present among us. That because you were resurrected, because you rose, the same power that rose you from the dead is here among us. It's here empowering every single one of us in this place. And Lord, I want to pray to the, uh, that you would go and you would speak to those in the room who are the Marys, who, who have sat at your feet in devotion, Lord, that you would give them the confidence to step out to that task that you've called them to. Lord, to step boldly into that, maybe that prophetic revelation you've given them. So to start walking in that, Lord. Ask Holy Spirit that you would give them that courage. You would empower them. Let them know that you are present with them. We ask this in Jesus' name.